customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. You are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week, like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, band of 12 plus 6 here. Fast PP. Top rookie, I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum. Fournier. Brown, we off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you after a flurry of crazy free agency that started just yesterday at six before that we got a couple of trades from trader brad brader trad uh just some some surprising moves uh that i did not see coming but uh we'll talk about it all but i think we have to start with evan fournier signing a four-year deal with the new york knicks for some absurd sum of money how much was it uh, 78 million up to 78 million dollars up to 78 million dollars and so the Celtics big possible free agent basically the one guy they could sign given their cap situation uh is going to the Knicks Jay what was your reaction to Fournier signing that deal by the time it happened it wasn't a surprise um obviously like when the Celtics went out and got Josh Richardson who isn't a Totally similar player, but plays a similar position, is a smaller wing type guy. It seemed unwise to go out and spend close to $80 million to keep Fournier around. 
obviously one kind of theme of this offseason has been that Brad has not, with the exception of Al Horford's halfway guaranteed salary for 2022-2023, Brad has not added any more long-term salary to the Celtics books. And it seems like he's really prioritizing cap flexibility. So Fournier is gone. Um, in retrospect, that trade looks bad. The Celtics didn't give up too much, just a couple second-round picks, but they used a huge chunk of the trade exception. They were not able to spin that into anything else. Fournier played 16 regular games for regular season games for the Celtics. He wasn't a huge factor while the Celtics got pummeled by the Nets in the playoffs. And now he's gone. So just a kind of a swing and a miss by Danny Ainge. I, I see why he made that move because last year's team was floundering. If Jalen Brown is healthy for the playoffs, if they get the four or five seed, who knows? Things could have been different. But in retrospect, that looks bad. And now Brad has a lot of work to do to put together a decent supporting cast because there are obvious holes on that roster and the Celtics haven't gotten anyone to bite yet in free agency. Yeah. The, the 48 deal does not look great, but it's also like that was Danny's deal. And now Brad Stevens has to operate in a world where that has happened and there's no control over that. And they call that a sunk cost. In economics. Uh, absolutely a sunk cost. And I think you can criticize Danny for – you're just very impressed with yourself for throwing out an economic term. I can see the shit that, hitting right on a, your face. That's a business business and management major. <laughs> business ethics. Um, you can criticize Danny Ainge, I guess, for not trading Hayward, but I really think they thought Hayward was coming back. All of those are past moves. But I think if you're evaluating Brad Stevens right now with the current situation – not paying Evan Fournier for a year, $78 million makes all the sense in the world. Like you're just, that's a lot of money for Evan Fournier to be. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be the uh, the third best player on a championship team. I just don't think he's that good, especially, I mean, he's a good player. And I think he had a, a raw deal in uh, Boston just because he got COVID and like it really messed him up because he was complaining about like the lights giving him headaches and things like that. Good luck to Evan Fournier, but I just think it makes a lot of more sense for uh, the Celtics just to not commit four years to pretty much anyone. Carmelo going to the Lakers. Malik Monk going to the Lakers. Oh, wow. Carmelo. The Lakers' pretty much entire strategy is sign everyone who was good in uh, 2011. Trevor Ariza, Dwight Malik Howard. Malik Monk was probably hell in high school in 2011. He, that's probably the peak of Malik Monk. Or maybe uh, in middle school. I don't even know how old he is. But back to the Celtics, you're right. It wasn't too big a surprise Like once they got Josh Richardson. I thought like that's a solid deal to get Josh Richardson for basically nothing. They had to give up um, what's Moses Brown, uh, but basically fit him into the Trayward, uh, Hayward. It's not the Hayward trade exception. Whose trade exception was that? Some trade exception. Um, like the, the issue is now – is like, what is the starting lineup? Is Josh Richardson going to be your starting shooting guard? or uh, Because that really hasn't worked ever in the history of Josh Richardson being in the NBA. Like, he had one really good year with the Miami Heat, but was not great in Philadelphia, was not great in Dallas last year. I think I like Josh Richardson as kind of a guy coming off the bench, but if is Josh Richardson like one of your starters? Uh, that becomes more of an issue. 
Yeah, and then the other issue is that Richardson and Smart have some of the same issues. They're both they both shot thirty three percent from the three point arc last year. If you're trying to build a team to complement Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, giving them guys to space the floor for them so that they don't have to do all the three point shooting themselves is pretty important. And I I understand why the Celtics did not want to keep Kemba Walker's contract. I understand why they did not want to pay Evan Fournier's contract. I get all that, but they still lost a lot of offensive punch and they haven't really replaced it much. Richardson's a guy who's been inefficient as an offensive player. When he was in Philadelphia, he was part of that team that didn't have enough playmaking, partly because he was... He's not a, a playmaker. One of the, the <laughs> primary ball handlers, and that's just not his role. Great mid-range shooter, though. So really the Celtics have mid-range. They have Tatum, and they have Smart to do some of that stuff, but like, I still think this team needs more shooting. This team needs could use a little more creativity, um, but definitely shooting. If you look at this roster, like they lost a ton of shooting from the roster that was at the end of the year last year. And and they haven't really replaced it at all. And so what does Brad do next? He could he could roll, he could expand the Tristan Thompson trade and roll that into something bigger and take back more salary in that trade, which I think is a possibility. Um but the Celtics have have watched a lot of guys in the mold of player that they would want sign elsewhere and sign elsewhere for for deals that that they could have offered. Patty Mills went to the Nets for the taxpayer mid-level exception. Jeff well, Green. But like who says the Celtics didn't offer the deals? It takes two to tango here. It's like it's kind of Does, weird. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They they didn't get them. You know, I know, but it's like they, these players have they have free agency. They have agency in their decisions to where they go. It's like what I, I know. Like you can't blame Brett. That. Thank you, you can't blame explaining. Brad for Patty Mills. I didn't know the rules. It seems like you don't know the rules because you're saying you're blaming Brad for not bringing in these guys, where it's not like he had the option to like. I never blame Brad. So. I'm just saying this Celtics team has holes right now, as things currently stand. Um, they'd probably need a lot out of Peyton Pritchard. They'd probably need a lot out of Aaron Neesmith. They don't have the the size at power forward that they wanted to get this offseason. So my point isn't that it's all Brad's fault that that this hasn't worked out for the Celtics so far, that they haven't been able to get the veterans and the edge and the experience that he wanted. But, you know, somehow he he needs to retool this supporting cast because right now they have a 500 team that, you know, I, I'm not sure that they've improved at all from where they were at the end of last season. Um, you can say that maybe not having Kemba will, will help, that having Al Orford instead will help. You could say maybe that Josh Richardson sets them up to have, you know, a, a very physical defense, especially on the perimeter. And I, I'd agree, agree with that. He's a tenacious dude. But at the same time, like if you were looking for a quick flip from the Celtics roster, they have work to do it. And may- maybe they go out and get trades. Maybe they sign. Maybe they find someone, you know, that's that's still left out there and and can make a difference. But you know, a lot of their potential targets, including Jeff Green, Rudy Gay, Otto Porter, Patty Mills, have found other homes. And 
especially when you look at the types of you know power forward that they wanted to to add there are very slim pickings right now in in that type of player and obviously it's really tough to get those types of guys because every team wants somebody like that with the size and the shooting and the ability to guard multiple positions so we'll see the, the thing that's tough about all of those deals you mentioned jeff green patty mills um i'm not sure exactly the years on rudy gay but the other two or at least two-year deals and there, there was no scenario unless they pulled off some crazy trades or something like that where the Boston Celtics were going to walk out of this uh, offseason as title contenders. Like there was just that's the way their current roster is constructed. I don't think we there was a, like a clear path for them to be put themselves in contention. And so it feels like the majority of their moves are designed to have as much flexibility next year at, at free agency yeah. when Bradley Beal has the opportunity to be, uh, possibly be a free agent or the uh, maybe even punting further for the ne- year after that, where we've talked about where guys like Jokic and Embiid are going to be free agents. Like that's when you're going to kind of hopefully bring in that third star to put around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And so given that, like y- you do mention that the roster needs upgrades I think the the question, like, I think it's prudent and to not kind of push to make this big deal just to get, like, a, I guess, incrementally better this year, knowing that you didn't really, like, you're not gonna like have a chance to really be a, a great contender moving forward. And it's about having flexibility for next year's um, free agency. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, a Marcus Smart and a uh, Robert Williams extension is probably going to be unlikely. Uh, Mark Murphy from the Boston Herald said that Marcus Smart's looking for four years, $80 million extension. I love Marcus Smart. I trust Marcus Smart. That number gives me a lot of pause, especially if you're trying to build a championship contender to give him $20 million a year. And so I just think it makes the most sense to go into the kind of next offseason when there's going to be a lot more kind of stars potentially available when Bradley Beal, the guy everyone seems to talk about, everyone's kind of convinced that they're doing this for Bradley Beal. I don't know if that's the case, but to have that flexibility next off season seems to be the kind of the design of all of their deals so far. Yeah. I mean, it it definitely does seem like that's one of the priorities from Brad Stevens's front office. I think there's risk in that. If, if you go into this season and you're close to 500 again, and I'm not saying the Celtics will be, they, they could be healthier. They could be better. Jason Tatum could be, you know, a top five MVP candidate. There are a lot of ways that they can improve and and be better than they were last season, even if they don't make any significant additions from here. But if you are bad again and you, you risk pissing off Jason Tatum, you risk pissing off Jalen Brown. You put all your eggs in a basket that you're not sure about. What if Bradley Beal doesn't end up choosing the Celtics a year from now? Then you what sign if... Kevin Durant, who opts out of his yeah. player option. Uh, okay, uh, sounds good. <laughs> That'd be a great idea if it happened. But I'm just saying, like, there are, there's downside to keeping that flexibility too, and. The the stated goal of Brad Stevens is to add experience and edge to this roster. Now, he did that with Josh Richardson, but he did that at the expense 
of Evan Fournier. And he added Al Horford, but he did that at the expense of Kemba Walker. So I think the Celtics, like it just feels like there's there's something to come that we haven't seen yet. And if not, then then this team won't be probably won't be great next season. Well, they still have the full and maybe level. we shouldn't have expected them to be great next season. We probably shouldn't have expected them to be great next season. But well, if anyone saw our list of potential free agent targets, it's not like we were like I, Celtics fans are insane. They're like when this uh, they thought they were getting Lonzo Ball or all these like kind of crazy signing trade deals. Like expectations for this offseason should have been pretty low. Like we we thought they were going to re-sign Evan Fournier and then get a guy at the taxpayer mid level. They didn't get Fournier. They ended up getting Josh Richardson. One part of them um, not signing Fournier is now they're not a tax team and now have a little bit more to pay for a mid level. So I think they can play pay up to nine, right? Um, Maybe it's, it depends how the salaries like, work with the Tristan Thompson trade. They're on the the board. They could choose a path that gives them the full mid-level, they could choose a path that gives them the taxpayer mid-level. So we'll see on that. But there was, like our list started with Rudy Gay and George's Niang. I'm still on that George's Niang trade, still a uh, best free agent available. But there's just really, I don't know what the expectations were for them to make moves this offseason. Like they're, this is exactly what happening is what we thought. Like I didn't think the Josh Richardson trade was going to happen, but this is like the least surprising kind of start to free agency so far for the Celtics. I don't know what else, like, I don't know what you can really criticize uh, Brad for what deal, like it's impossible to know what deals he had the opportunity to, but it's not like there was an, like they had a lot of avenues to add a bunch of talent uh, to this roster. And if I'm a veteran guy who's trying to get a ring, the, the Celtics just are not on that platform where it's like, oh, they're automatically contenders. Like they're just, they're, they're not an appeal. Like they just aren't there yet. So it's like kind of weird to kind of criticize them for not attracting those kind of veteran free agents. I think they're eventually get one. They still have the full mid-level or whatever that ends up being. I think they're going to add someone, but it's just like a, I don't get the kind of the, the frustration that they haven't done anything. They didn't have an ability to do much. Yeah, and I think I think part of the frustration probably stems from Fournier leaving, and and people thought, you know, with Fournier, that's a potentially deep team. If you bring Josh Richardson and Fournier off the bench, or if you start one of those guys and bring the other off the bench, like that, that's a different looking depth chart. Does, than, does that team like does, does that take you from what forty wins to forty eight wins, and then you lose in the second round? Maybe like I don't. Then and then you have to pay Evan Fournier for the next eighteen million dollars for the next three years after that. Yes, but at the same time, I think it, it's frustrating for Celtics fans to look at the roster and and see again, you know, two or three years after being set up in a position that everyone thought they were going to rule the Eastern Conference for a long time to come. Now they got to stop living in the past. You got to live in the now. You got to evaluate the decisions for what they have. Like yes. Was trading for Kyrie Irving? Did it work out? No, but like it happened, and we got to move on. Like, did they think Gordon Hayward's going to come back? Yes. Did it happen? No, but you still got to move on. Like they're making the the what feels to me like the smart decisions in the moment. Paying Evan Fournier eighteen million dollars a year for the next four seasons doesn't make any sense to me, especially if you want to go out and get a third star eventually to put around Tatum and Brown. That just 
it hampers your entire team, your entire flexibility for a guy who's a solid player and gets you probably what's five more regular season wins this year. It's like, it's a very short term outlook to kind of like be upset that they didn't bring back Fournier on, on that deal. Yeah. If the Celtics do stay on this path and, and do continue to set themselves up with financial flexibility to go after a Bradley Beal or whoever in the future, then now is not the time to judge them, right? Like judge them later when we see what they do with that, if if they do get Bradley Beal, um, if that does lead to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown staying, if but and 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 Danny Ainge, like we said at the time when when Danny Ainge stepped down, he left the Celtics in a situation where creating that path to flexibility was going to be a little painful. And I think we've we've we're starting to see the pain involved with that um and that meant letting Evan Fournier go even though he would have been a helpful player to this team and and that meant you know at at the moment right now um that means the Celtics depth chart has not substantially improved and and may even be worse than it was at the end of last season um at, at least if they were healthy so it's it's going to be a little pain to to get there, and may, maybe Brad has you know trades lined up that that he can pull the trigger on if if they miss on their free agent targets. Maybe he has a, a backup plan in free agency that could work out. We haven't seen obviously the end of this Celtics off season, but where things stand right now, this is not one of the top four teams in the East. Like the, Miami just loaded up the Bucks won the championship, the Nets offense will be absolutely ridiculous, especially now that they added Patty Mills on top of the guys that they already had. Um, so the Celtics, they're just not in that elite class and, and that should be frustrating to Celtics fans. But, but I agree, like Brad is, it seems taking the pain now to hopefully set up the Celtics for something better in the future. And I think like that is the wise long-term approach. I don't think there's anything the Celtics could have really done this year to put them in the top four. But like, let's talk. Like, it clearly feels like the flexibility is for that 2022 year. Bradley Beal has the potential to be a free agent. Everyone seems to think like that's what they're doing. I don't know. I just feel like Bradley Beal is probably going to sign a five-year extension because uh, that's what Bradley Beal does. He stays in Washington and uh, doesn't demand a trade. But there are like, there's disgruntled stars that exist like all the time. You know who's a restrict like becomes a free agent this that year and has not signed a immediate extension? Uh, Luka Doncic, who's reportedly just like pissed off with um, the Dallas Mavericks, and there's a whole bunch of turmoil there. Luka's already said he's going to sign the the max, the super max, or whatever it is. Trey Young signed the super max uh, shortly after free agency started. Has Luka done that yet? No, but he already said he's going to. So, so players say lots of things. Kyrie Irving said he was going to uh, resign and be be in the Raptors. He, he'd be a restricted free agent. There's probably no examples in history of a guy not signing that contract. What do you think about Julius Randle? I'll be an unrestricted free agent. What do you think about uh, Zach Levine? I'm just saying there's like options and there's points of moving forward. Additionally, I think they're not going to extend Marcus Smart. I don't think they're going to extend Robert Williams. But bringing in Josh Richardson with a $10 million contract, um, 
Also, I think uh, Chris Dunn is, has like around a $5 million contract. There's options for trades right now where if combining all those salaries, where there is like, and tons of flexibility. I don't know who the star is, the disgruntled star is, but now they have kind of a $5 million slot, a $10 million slot, a 15 to 18, whatever Marcus Smart is at right now. They can do a lot of different things in terms of the trade market that I just think it, it makes them flexible moving forward. And now it's like, you head into next season, you're not, yes, you're not going to be a championship team. You're not going to have expectations, but it feels like the, uh, the Celtics, when they do have expectations is when they suck. And when they're a scrappy team that is outperforming expectations, everyone has a lot more fun. So let's lower the bar and just uh, be happy with like the year of development that is, uh, that occurs with Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford and the two Jays. But that's kind of what you probably said last year right after gordon hayward left like like let's see what the young guys do and the young last guys year did, i talked myself into it because they made and the young such guys a did very run. little but now the young guys got another year under their belt well yeah but i'm just saying relying on young guys you never know but i don't think that like the Celtics are going to win the championship next year and so i didn't think they were going to win the championship the year before that and so like whatever happens happens i just like i just don't know what like and i don't have to watch tristan thompson play basketball anymore and so that's like a win for me uh what do you think about that deal because it on its surface tristan thompson is a better player than uh chris dunn or bruno fernando it was that just like a, a and he had, he has an expiring deal as well was that just a, a culture thing like brand being like we don't want this guy around uh is that just to make me happy what Explain to me what the thought process was behind the Tristan Thompson deal. Well, first of all, I'm not sure that that deal is done. Um, they could still use that Tristan Thompson salary because the other guys came in in trade exceptions. They could still use that to to roll that into something else. Um, so I'm not. But sure it's that- like it's agreed in a framework. It's not like they're going to blow it up entirely. Like they're most likely sending him to the Kings and getting done from. Was that the Grizzlies? Uh, Chris Dunn was on the Hawks, bro. Oh, the Hawks. Yes, yes, the Hawks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Tristan Thompson was going to be a third big man. I imagine his agency was not extremely excited about the, the possibility of him being a third center behind Robert Williams and Al Horford. And uh, it's just good. You don't like if, if a guy wants to be a starter and you're not going to be able to give him starter minutes, it's just like better for team chemistry if he's not going to be around. And 
I don't know if Chris Dunn plays, although the scuttlebutt is that he's also might get moved. We actually just don't know what that trade is going to be um, as of yet, but I think it makes sense just to free up the center rotation and not have a guy who's pissed off on your team. Um, generally, I just think that's a good thing. Yeah, not uh, not the worst thing. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, I still think the Celtics need – Obviously, shooting now. Um, they- well, who's who's left is the question because we had that kind of uh, targets. Rudy Gay has signed. Carmelo Anthony has signed. Uh, Justice Winslow. Is he anyway, can, Justice can he Winslow? Shoot? Anyone? No, absolutely not. Um, Reggie Jackson. Would you a- Avery Bradley? I, anyone? Can I interest you? How about uh, Laurie Markkinen? He is restricted, but it doesn't seem like he's had any good times in. Um, Chicago, they've spent a lot of money on Caruso and Lonzo Ball already. He's a tall guy. He can shoot. Um, I feel like they need some, like, it's the same thing we've talked about. They need someone with size who can shoot the three because they need someone who can defend wing defenders so Tatum and Brown don't have to constantly do that and they can be uh, switchable. And as you said, they need shooting. And I just don't know who else is really, like, great for that who's on, on the market right now. Like, the thing is, the thing that's tough is that like a lot of the guys who kind of fit that mold are restricted, like Markinen. I think Josh Hart is a, a very solid guy who can like plays really hard and be on the wing, but he's restricted as well. And then you just go down the list, and it's just like not a lot of great talent uh, still left on the board, just because it feels like there since six o'clock yesterday there have been what. 50 to 75 free agent signings. If you have notifications on for Woj and Shams, like it's been nonstop. It's been, it's been wild free agency season. Yeah, it was the rush at six was fantastic. Um, But yeah, I mean, the answer is George's Niang, buddy. It's just going to come down to it. It's like, he makes too much sense at this point. And the, the Spurs got, I mean, the Spurs, the jazz got Rudy Gay. So, Player in that mold might might be ready to go. George is the Yang coming home. I mean, like who else do you want to go for? Bryn Forbes, shown to be a guy who can make shots, but is not very reliable on defense. That's the other thing is like you evaluate these signings of like whether or not these guys can play in a playoff series. So you think about Bryn Forbes, and it's like oh he couldn't play on defense, but it's like the Celtics don't need to worry about that. They just need a guy who can knock down three pointers in the regular season, and so. I don't know, like the, the, the person they're going to bring in for their mid-level, it's, it's going to be interesting to see like who they who they target because one, there's just not a lot of talent out there. But two, it's pretty clearly established that they are not looking to make a deep playoff run. And so does it like it? you're looking for a regular season type player? Yeah, uh, I guess. If if you're really gonna be pessimistic about it, I'm being optimistic. I'm just saying whoever they bring in, it's like uh, we can lower the bar. I'm all about lowering expectations here because they just need to bring in a guy on a one year deal or a two year deal with a pl- uh, team option so they can maintain that flexibility moving forward. It's like they're just everyone wanted Patty Mills. Obviously, Patty Mills wants to compete for a championship. Everyone like you mentioned, Rudy Gay, Carmelo Anthony. Jeff Green, they're just not going to get these guys. And so you want to get in a guy who brings a little shooting and a little bit of uh, size. That being said, I think, does this like signal or just maybe create an opportunity 
for Aaron Neesmith or Romeo Langford to like step up and get big minutes. We've talked about how important it would be for the Celtics for just one of those guys to develop into uh, a starter level player in the NBA. They have a wide open position. I don't think Josh Richardson should start. I would think that you would have a starting uh, lineup of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I think it's going to be Robert Williams, but it might be Al Horford. I don't think those two should start together. And it leaves a place open on the wing. Is this an opportunity for Romeo or Neesmith to kind of step in and be like, we're first round draft picks. Like maybe we can do something here. Well, I think first of all, I wouldn't discount if the roster stays like it is right now, I wouldn't discount the possibility of Josh Richardson starting. Um, he's six, five and feisty and, probably about the same size as Aaron Neesmith or Romeo Lankford, honestly. And smart Richardson, Tatum, Brown, and Time Lord is a damn good defensive lineup. Like, they yeah, might that, struggle to score, but, like, that is a, one of the better defensive lineups you can uh, kind of run out there. Yeah, they could probably use a little bit more size, but they definitely will have ball pressure. They'll be feisty. They'll be athletic. They'll be long. So, yeah, if if they do start smart Richardson, like, that's a, a pit bull type starting lineup which could be fun um but yeah if if they don't have another if they don't sign a veteran to take step above Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith in the pecking order then there will be opportunity for those guys I think there will be opportunity for those guys anyway at some point um just because teams always needs need wings in Neesmith's case, the Celtics will definitely need shooting. Um, and he could end up playing a big role. A- after the way he closed last season and now getting a chance to go into summer league and and have more of a regular experience going into year two, I think the Celtics should be cautiously optimistic about what Neesmith will give them. He's obviously a, a really tenacious guy, another guy who can pressure the ball and, and give you size and length. So I, I I don't know how Romeo will fit, especially like if your guards are smart and Richardson and then you have Romeo Lankford, who's averaged seven points per 36 minutes for his career. That Ooh, could I, be, I, you just had that stat ready. That could be pretty ugly. I'm not sure if that's exactly correct, but it's pretty it's pretty close. Let, let you me just check. have the Romeo per 36 uh, stats ready. That's why he's the kid, the god, the legend. I think it's interesting just in terms of like this is a, like a development year, and you're like 7.4 points per 36 minutes for his career. We'll give not it. Great. We'll give it to you, Price is Right style, because I think you said six, but you were under. But it's going to be interesting to see if either of those guys can step up and kind of make an impact on the on the rotation and be that solid seventh or eighth guy uh, on this team this year. There was press conferences today. We did hear from the media. Joe Mazzula, summer league coach, uh, spoke to the team. Um, and then I think Peyton Pritchard and Yam, my name Yam saying, said he plans to play in the NBA this Yam's season. Yam's here. So what, what kind of impact can we get from the European Steph Curry? <laughs> Let's tone it down. Until a year ago, until this past year, he shooting was by far his weakness. So I would not call him Steph Curry. Like that is not the comparison at all. He is a flashy young dude. Um, he definitely has some some flair to his game. 
But let's let's tone it, tone it all the way down with that. He has exactly one good season of of shooting the basketball, and we'll need but to prove a lot on that front. Too. I mean, we'll see here with the Boston Celtics. It's going to be. I think it's like a fun summer league team, especially with uh, Pritchard, Romeo, and um, Aaron Neesmith. I did think it was funny. I think the first question for Joe Missoula was like, "How does it? Uh, how important is it for the three guys who have been on your team?" And Joe Missoula had to be like, uh, "We have Carson Edwards on the team too. He is also returning." Uh, people forget that Carson Edwards still exists, and this is a friendly reminder. Um, but what is like the expectation for? I guess those three guys and Yam uh, in summer league. Like, I feel like sometimes you want you expect guys like these are you're in summer league and you've been in the NBA. You should be a step above uh, everyone else in terms of just like your talent and your uh, readiness to play. Uh, what are the expectations for those three guys uh, and the European Steph Curry um, when the guys go out to Vegas? Yeah, I think I mean obviously it's it's different things for for different people. Um, so you know Romeo Langford, you want to see him show the beginning of an offensive game. Like, what is he going to become offensively? I don't know. He's never really made three pointers. He was a slasher, a scorer, you know, high school, college, but hasn't really shown any of that in the NBA. So, is he going to be a a point guard, a ball handler? Like, what is he going to be? You want to see him show at least some signs of becoming a a viable offensive player. For Peyton Pritchard, he was he was very much like an off ball shooter for the most part during his rookie season, he had flashes of running the offense and making plays off the bounce, but you want to see him grow more comfortable with all that stuff. I want to see him be a playmaker. It feels like he either got to the rim or was the off ball three guy. I want to see him come off a pick and roll and like make the right read and and be the kind of guy where you are pretty comfortable turning the offense over to him when Tatum is, and I guess smart or not on the floor. Yeah. And and with Neesmith, like I, I think we we saw his what his role will be during his rookie season. Like he's going to play hard as hell. He's going to defend, and hopefully he'll make shots. To to me, like the uh, the the shooting is the part that the Celtics will really need, and the part that could help define like whether he's a decent rotation player or far better than that when he came into the draft he was regarded as the very best shooter in the draft someone who could do it off movement who could spot up who could had a lot of versatility in that so can he can he start showing more of the off the move stuff can he start you know curling around screens and and nailing threes can he start doing all that type of stuff um Carson Edwards like show forget about it Forget about it. Wow, I, don't, I just don't see. Hard. I just don't see a long term uh, fit in Boston with Carson Edwards, and I just uh, I'm not tuning into summer league games to see the marginal improvements in Carson's game. I think Neesmith, the movement, catching the ball, like coming off screens and being able to knock down threes. I want to see like four of those uh, every half in the summer league Celtics. Like that should be what he works on because that's just a part of the Celtics offense that has just not existed pretty much in the Tatum Brown era is someone who can move without the ball and just catch and shoot and like immediately like rise, catch and shoot. And like, that is what Aaron Neesmith has been billed as something he can do. And I think if you have 
if someone on defense has to follow Aaron Neesmith around because he can do and knock down that shot consistently, it just opens everything up. And that's just like a, an elite talent that if the Celtics did have on their offense, I think is uh, just makes them so much more dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. That could change things for the Celtics. Um, if Neesmith can become that, but who knows whether he can, you know, like he didn't look very comfortable shooting the three for most of his rookie season. He ended up shooting decent percentage. Uh, so we'll see whether he's like a pretty good shooter or, a great one and there's a huge difference between guys who are pretty good and guys who are great so we'll see and then yam yam you just want to see him just want to see him ball the fuck out like yam knows how to do yeah i mean <laughs> he's he's played in a very good league overseas and so i mean he, he should be more used to it than than mo- most rookies entering their first summer league um just because he has played at a high level before but you want to see, obviously, you want to see him show promise in his first summer league. And I, I, I was surprised when he said he he plans to play for the Celtics this season because the last that I that I had heard, um, that had not been decided. So we'll see. Why no Becheron on the summer league roster? I think it's just because he'll be a draft and stash guy, and there's. No point in him just playing a, a few games in Las Vegas. I don't know. Just see what you have in the 19-year-old French kid. I So on Not Here to Argue, the pod I produced for, um, with Tyler, um, we had Mike Schmitz on, and I asked him about Begaron, and he's just like, yeah, he's a he's a guy, athletic freak, doesn't know how to really do anything he's else. A, <laughs> he is an athletic freak. And not just like run and jump, but he's got the body control. You know, it's 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 – that separates guys like like the the body control. So if if he puts in the work to hone his skills, to up his basketball IQ, like there's a lot to work with there and the physical profile of a guy who could be very interesting. So Begaron. Begaron needs that he has that body control. That's the other thing I'm looking for for Aaron Neesmith uh in summer league is to not I just want him to control his insane energy. I don't want to see him flying around and like on the floor. Like, see if he can just rein it in a little bit, Neesmith. And still, I, I like, want to per- see. I want to see the madness. I want to see the chaos. I want to see him. I want controlled madness. I want uh, it to be just less injury risk for uh, Aaron Neesmith. But it's going to be interesting. Before we go, we have to say uh, pour one out for Shemi Ojale. Uh, Signs his big deal with the the um, Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, the one way to contain the Giannis stopper is just to put him on Giannis's team. And so uh, Shemi Ojale, I thought actually like probably would have been a like decent guy to come back just because we've seen him like if he's the 11th man on your roster, it's okay. But you know what? Go have fun in uh, Milwaukee. Solid career here in Boston. Uh, nice guy. Uh, kudos to him. Yeah, he just a genuinely great dude. Someone who was always good to talk to from from my perspective because you know he's just first of all very very kind human, very very respectable, and he would he was good at breaking down the game and and letting you know like kind of what was going on from a, a basketball perspective. So I'll miss Shem, well, I'll miss working with Shemi Ojale. And I think he could be a pretty good fit in Milwaukee. Obviously, they lost P.J. Tucker. Um, and he's he's not P.J. Tucker, 
but he gives you some of the six eight, you know, stand in the corner and at least semi space the floor and guard physical dudes. So I think it could be a good fit where he doesn't have to do much because they have a lot of, you know, really good players around him and he could just stand there, spot up, hit threes and play a little defense. Another shout out to former Celtic Daniel Tice getting four years, $36 million with the Rockets. I don't really get paying Daniel Tice for $36 million over four years. I don't know what exactly what the Rockets are doing, but I'm all for it. I said Tice was more than a $5 million a year player, and he's an $8 million a year player, goddammit. Uh, 36 divided by four is nine, man. Nine? He's a $9 million a year player. I undersold Tice in my head. I'm, I apologize. Your math is is a little suspect, but yeah, I'm out. Just and he he kind of grind. He just kept grinding, you know. Like he he came over for two years. He was behind Al Horford and Aaron Baines. Didn't really get to play much, especially his second year, and just kept grinding. Proved himself as a starter. Just had to play the four. Had to play out of position. Had to try to be something that he wasn't. Got got dumped for luxury tax purposes in a like not a good trade for this. <laughs> so they get them out of the tax, uh, and now he's paid. And not all not all centers get paid. So salute to Tice for grinding his way into not just a, a mid level type deal, but four years too. Think Shout of all the him. seals he's going to provide for uh, Jalen Green. I think like if Jalen Green drops 26 a game next year, it's because Tice opened up those shots for him. It has nothing to do with his supreme talent that made him the number two pick. It's all the Tice seal. No, that's like the first 23 points. But that, that extra bump to 26 is because of those Tice seals. That Tice bump. I mean, the classic Tice bump. He's a, he's a, the Tice seal is a very effective move, and it's a – one of the reasons the Celtics offense uh, suffered last year. Any other, uh, I guess, big takeaways from the first couple, or I guess the first 24 hours of free agency? I think the thing that stood out to me the most was Kyle Lowry going to the Heat um, for three years, $90 million. He's 35 years old. That is a lot of money, but I do think it makes the Heat just a much more solid contender, even though it was really really annoying to play against Goran Dragic the last couple of years, like, cause he's a very solid player and killed the Celtics in that Eastern conference finals. I just think Kyle Lowry is a solid veteran and Lowry, Bam and Jimmy uh, just feels like a, a pretty solid team. Yeah. And then on top of all the shooting that Lowry gives them, um, he's been more durable than Dragic. It feels like at least. Um, he's been more at the top of his craft than Dragic consistently. And they just have a chance to be incredible defensively. Like just incredible with, with Lowry, Jimmy, Bam and PJ Tucker. And then Duncan Robinson, who's six, eight or whatever he is. Not a great defender, but long and like knows where to be like, that could be a really, really good defense in crunch time. And I just think Lowry, I've always been a huge Lowry fan. You know that. I think he just brings a lot, 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 lot to a team. And so Dragic was similar, though. When when they were in the bubble, he was awesome. I'm, I'm not sure he's ever played better than he did 
during that run to the finals. But but Lowry should help them. PJ Tucker should help them. Max Struess, they got him back. Max Struess, Max Struess, Max Struess, former Celtic two way for like ten minutes, and then they they waved him. And he's a Max solid Struce. player. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't think it makes the Heat like. I don't think it puts them in the top tier with the Bucks or the Nets, but I think it's like pretty much they're on the same tier as the 76ers right now. If the 76ers, who knows what's going to happen in that situation, but it's just like they're a pretty solid team, but who knows? Uh, yeah, I still think the Nets, not even the Bucks, the Nets are to me the class of the Eastern Conference. If they can stay healthy, then it's the Bucks. Especially because they just added Patty Mills. Like they brought their offense like, is going to be tough. Their offense is going to be tough. Their they brought back really Blake. Tough. They might be able to get out from DeAndre Jordan's contract uh, with a possible sign and trade for Spencer Dimwitty. Like that's the other thing is like there's people, Celtics fans are so pissed off they didn't do anything this year. Do they have any chance of being the Nets next year in the playoffs? No matter who they added, like it feels like the Nets have the ownership of the Eastern Conference at least for the you next are, two seasons. You are you are so strange because you are half supreme optimist and then half totally defeated like i'm you, realistic you have, bro you I'm have realistic. totally you have totally given up on the celtics you I'm have optimistic de- about the long you have term decided you have decided they should just target somebody who can help in the regular season because the playoffs aren't going to really matter you have written them off entirely entire well yeah now i'm going to be pleased if they exceed my expectations it's going to be fantastic if they win 48 games next year, I'm going to be through the roof because I don't think they're a 48-win team. Like before uh, when they lost Horford the first time, I wrote a whole article on Boston.com. One of the few times I ever wrote things saying that you got to lower the expectations for this team and just enjoy them. And then they made the Eastern Conference Finals, and it was fantastic because it came out of nowhere. So if you lower the expectations, then anything over that is better for your outlook and your positivity moving forward. I will say this. High expectations are good because that means they'd be more talented than they are right now. Yeah, but having high expectations with the amount of talent they have right now is uh, irrational, only sets yourself up for disappointment, which is not good. Defeated. Defeated. So you, the, so, the, defe- so, the defeated optimist. So you think I should go into next season thinking that the Celtics uh, are going to compete for an NBA championship? Tell me where my thinking is wrong. No, they they should not compete for an NBA championship. They have a lot of work to do to get to that level. I think that's pretty clear based on how last season finished, based on how the roster is currently shaping up. Um, anything could still happen. Like They're not done making moves yet. They're not done maybe trading. They're definitely not done in free agency. They haven't signed anyone yet. So we'll see, but yeah. Keep the expectations low. Be a defeated optimist. Like I mean, Jam Packard. if they sign George's Niang, like I predicted and promised uh, about three weeks ago, I'm going to be through the roof. Local guy from Methuen. It's going to be uh, – gives you size, 40% three-point shooter, the exact size and shooting that this team needs. And then they're a frisky team in the East, and that, that's a fun time for me. And then I get to see the Jays get better. Uh, Jason Tatum – who Kevin Durant anointed as the next big thing uh, over there in the Olympics, that he's the next guy who's going to break the Olympic scoring record for the U.S. I get to see another year of growth between those uh, two superstars. It's 
it's I'm going to be having fun next year while everyone else is going to be pissed off because we didn't sign Patty Mills or didn't sign Lonzo Ball in a sign and trade that was never going to happen. Sorry for uh, not being an irrational asshole. Are people really that mad? People were pretty upset when the Lonzo Balls was uh, signing came out that the Celtics didn't do it. They were very ready to trade Marcus Smart for him. Uh, people are just upset when deals don't happen. I think it's because more of the casual fans tune in more for uh, free agency season. And then if a deal doesn't get made, they get uh, upset. And then the people who actually watch the reg- the entire regular season, who knew that uh, the top targets this year were Rudy Gay and Georges Niang, uh, reacted more reasonably. You know, the, the pessimistic optimists like me. <laughs> the defeated optimist, Jam Packard. <laughs> Is being a defeated optimist potable, Jay? It turns out it is. is As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.